the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Better believe it. Morning, everyone, in the 10 on a Saturday morning, the 5th morning of November 2022. 710 KNUS, Denver's talk station. Windy, milder, 63. The high, 52 tomorrow on Sunday. Monday, 60 degrees. Um, this is just triumphant for me. Please say good morning. And I see him as a just a great friend from Baylor University, the one, the only, David Smith, on a Saturday. I'm back doing Saturday mornings, and I the story comes up on the Nazis were socialist, and I went and I said, get David Smith on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, – Professor, good morning. Thank you, and welcome home. Peter, how you – it's I'm I'm doing good. Talking to you again. Yeah, I got you know I got hit in the I, head. It, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've missed our conversation so much, and I was so worried about you. And I just I'm so happy to be talking to you again. Buddy. Uh, you're so kind. I um, as you know, I went through the thing um, in March, and I actually yeah. um, I was going to go to have you on the radio show last year. I caught COVID, and I'm just texting yeah. our sales manager Mel Ferguson. I just feel great again, and so. But this thing rears its head. First of all, do a quick, yeah. Professor Smith at, at Baylor, do a quick bio so people know who you are, your PhD, and the work you've done. Sure, sure. You know, I'm uh, I'm from Texas originally, and I went to school for my BA and MA at what is today Texas State. But when I was there, it was Southwest Texas State. It was uh, LBJ's alma mater. I went to Missouri for my PhD. I got it in modern American history. Uh, I taught in North Carolina for four years, and then uh, I got the gig here at Baylor and came back to Texas and have been here ever since, and that's been 20 years. Holy cow. Holy cow. I met Professor Smith when he did a book on Audie Murphy, and Mm -hmm. I I recommend that book to people all the time. By the way, as an aside, I think you were listening, on YouTube, and I got cranked onto this by a friend of mine, there's this series in German and mm-hmm. it's it's called Dusty Faces, and it's yeah, I heard you talking about it, Professor. And it's there's ten um, chapters, I guess. And and I hate to say this because I don't want it to come out backwards, but it's Band of Brothers for these Wehrmacht GIs, mm-hmm. and um, and how's they're they're being forced back into Germany. Obviously, it it starts with the kids in church and. Uh, his father is this fire-breathing national socialist, and the kid joins. And by the way, as an aside, also, Netflix has remade All Quiet on the Western Front. And because I've been under the weather, I watched that, and it's it's not even close to the book. I mean, it's uh, why people do that. They interpret, and even the ending of it is different, and it's... Wow. I'm, yeah. kind, I'm kind of disappointed in how they handled it, but... um. What I mean, I, I was telling somebody, I'm reading Isaac Deutscher again for the three who made a revolution. And so I, I'm thinking about these people talking about um, national socialists. And I said, so Soviet Union was Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Does that make Joseph Stalin a Republican? 
<laughs> That's the same logic, yes, right? Thank you. <laughs> That's the exact same no, logic. No, it dawned on me. My light went on. Um, I said, wait a minute. If if these guys are Nazi, they're national socialists, which seem to be this conservative take on history, then the Union of Soviet then means that they were all they were all Republicans, right? I mean, it, like, yeah, that's the that's the way to answer that, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so take it from there. Great. Who who were they and why? Uh, the National Socialists. Uh, you know, first of all, as, as you're sort of getting at the the whole association with the Nazis and socialism has sort of been a oh a rhetorical device on the American right for a long time to sort of associate socialism with Nazism when it's not you know, like you said Stalin wasn't a Republican. Oh. Um, the the roots of the National Socialist Workers Party in Germany, which will become the Nazi Party, is in uh, the the immediate aftermath of World War One. Right in 1919, it was formed as the German Workers Party. That's right. To sort of push forward the interest of workers in this chaotic vacuum after after the World War One ended, and uh, that was in 1919. In 1920, it turned it changes its name to the National Socialist Workers Party, and that's the party that Hitler gloms onto, associates himself with in the early 20s, for the purpose of becoming a, a power broker himself. And it was it was a new party. It wasn't very strong. And he basically understood that he could take control of that party and use it to further his ends, not the ends of the workers or the socialists. Deutscher believes and, and Deutscher believes that he was kind of sent in as a spy, that he, Adolf Hitler, stayed in the army and was recruited to be. Because remember, the, the, in Bavaria particularly, there's the, you know, the rise of the Spartacists and. And they have to take the, you know, the, the Fry Corps has to go in and, and kill them off. I mean, it's like a crazy time. And that Hitler kind of infiltrates and then realizes, wow, this is my, this is what I'm waiting for. I, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm it's a Deutscher, not me. Right. Yeah, I, I, ha I haven't heard that, but I certainly see it, right? He sees within this weak party structure the the chance for him to control a party and therefore further his agenda and his agenda is is not socialist and it's not for the workers it's hyper nationalistic it's militaristic mm -hmm. it's anti-semitic right it's it's based on this whole notion of you know there's an in group and then everybody else is the out group and the other and we'll take on them and they are the ones who are betraying germany that sort of thing and it, it plays on the resentment that you see really sort of everywhere within within the the Weimar Republic, right? It's a it's a, a messy, weak central government, and Hitler knows that he can use this party to seize power. And it's interesting to me, our guest, the one and only, you know, I just love the guy, Professor David Smith. And this is actually writing. There's editorials appearing in newspapers that the Nazis are socialists, and I'm going. I know you. I mean, I. There should be a set aside that nobody gets compared to Nazis or nobody gets compared to Adolf Hitler, but that doesn't stop these people. But right. it's blood and soil. And one of the people, and I, I when I was an <clears throat> undergrad, Brooks Van Erben, who really taught me how to read, taught me how to think. And he said, "Well, and he said, start out by reading Mein Kampf, and then understand Dietrich Eckhart." And Adolf Hitler oh. dedicates Mein Kampf. There's two volumes. 
One he dedicates to Dietrich Eckhart. The other one is to the 18 who died at the Putsch. Mm-hmm. And so Dietrich Eckhart, these guys are the Thule Society. And they create wow. this whole crazy... But th- when you sit down and read Mein Kampf, and, I, and, it's, and it's a lousy book to read, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think you have to read it. And it, it, it's a window into the, thank into you. the soul of what he wanted to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's telling you what he's going to do, by the way, too, which is interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm stunned by this guy. I'm by, by, you know, like, and you're drawn to him. You know, you, at least I am. I'm drawn to reading about him and the people that were surrounding. And they created an entire Teutonic and they, and Eckhart is this, the Thule society people and, they believed in this German past that really didn't even exist. Right, exactly. The German mythology that yeah. Bismarck was able to use yes. to, to forge Germany itself into this this unified empire back in the 1870. And that's the, that's the bedrock of Hitler's ideology, and it has nothing whatever to do with socialism or no. workers. No. But he just didn't change the name of the party no. after he took it over. No, 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 that's a great way to say it. And, and and then, you know, and then after he takes over, then you start to see purges of real, real socialists, socialists who, Straight, yeah. who were in the party. The, the night of the long knives. What do, what do they do that night? It, exactly. Yeah. You see all these, uh, not just in his party, but in within Germany in general, you get the elimination of ideological mm-hmm. uh, uh, opponents and leaders of the Communist mm-hmm. Party, the leaders first, of the real socialist yeah, that's party. That's right. And who is liberal Democrats as well? And the brown shirts are run by a gay socialist, and he's they they he's take kills kills himself suicide. But the gun is in the desk in the other room. You'll know what to do when the time comes. And yeah. what was the Strazer? Strazer was the other guy that that they they were they were they, they were really they really were socialist. Yeah, the, uh, there were two of them. There were brothers, right? Right, Otto yeah. That's and, very good. Uh, yeah, see, I love you. I can't remember what the other guy's name was, but one left the party when he realized that Hitler wasn't a socialist. Wasn't a socialist. And the other stayed in and tried to work within, and he was the one that was killed in uh, the Long Knives. And they came that night, and they, and the next day it was the black, you know, the the the, the, the SS reappears or appears, and yeah. the, the SA is I, gone, and... Yeah, it's the 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 I guess you could say the normalization of violence within the party yeah. system itself to eliminate competitors. The, the first um people that are, are grabbed what's it called knock and nebel night and fog where people vanish. And mm-hmm. they round up labor leaders. And yeah. this is way before it's Jews and homosexuals and gypsies. It's labor leaders and uh, newspaper editors. Exactly. Yeah, that's to to purge the party of the rivalry within the party. Yes. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And and then uh, when Hitler takes when he Hitler becomes chancellor in January of thirty three, it right after that he purges all of the socialists and the communists and the democrats out of government positions. Oh, you bet. And then he outlaws. Then, then he outlaws labor unions. Yes, you can't. And, I mean, that's, the party is. You have to look. You have to keep your eyes pretty tightly shut if you want to call the Nazis socialists. Yeah, I mean, you, 
I mean, they're they're influenced by Darwin. You know, they they bastardized Darwin. Oh yeah, um, yeah, they're full on social Darwinists. Yeah, so could you say they were Darwin or Darwinist, like in the? But the National Socialist ideology, and they added National Socialist to its name, as you pointed out, and thus they became the National Socialist German Workers Party. And yeah, that's what they were long before Hitler yeah. you know, started coming yeah, after them. Yeah. yeah. And they and were, you know, you think of Hitler as conducting these purges, which he did. He also purged his party of its socialist identity. And they they got rid of all of them. Yeah, and absolutely. they they and they, they were anti Bolsheviks. It's interesting. I'm, I'm I'm a huge Isaac Deutscher fan. I just waded through Deutscher for years and years and years. And the one book that I never read was Three Who Made the Revolution. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and in the end, you know, I'm writing this down so I don't forget it because no. I want to look this one up. Well, Deutscher, every time we talk, right? I, I you know. send me away with a reading hey, list. It's you know, I, re- I tell you what. I mean, there's such. I, I've I got this access to being able to read whatever I want to read, and that's dangerous for people like me and you, especially when I have nothing else to do during the day. <laughs> I'm. I mean, it's really. It's like, um, I'm. There's a book on on Eisenhower I'm reading right now on uh, how what leads up to his farewell address on, in, oh, really? on wow. the mil- military industrial complex I, I you know I, I what do you do with Eisenhower how do you how do you see him uh, I think a lot of Eisenhower I regard I Eisenhower pretty highly me I too think he was a, a, a great leader both politically and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. militarily certainly yeah. and I think he has a, a unique perspective through which he is able to see as president yes. the role of the military and the threat of the military yeah. against the democracy. Do you do you think right now the military industrial complex is cheering on the war in Ukraine because they're just selling so much product? Right uh, I don't think that's the right way of thinking of oh, it. Okay. I mean, I know people who work in defense industries and they're not cheering it on at all, but it's, you know, you can't get away from the fact that yes, we're, I mean, we're 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 providing arms to the Ukrainian resistance, Man. and those arms have to be built by factory workers in American defense factories. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm, I, don't, I'm, I'm I don't think. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think cheering on is quite right, but they're certainly they're certainly hard at work. How close? I'm going to set up two questions and break and come back. Our guest, the one and only David Smith. Oh, okay. All right, so the, my questions are, when you see, you know, like uh, Barbara Tuckman kind of believes that World War One is an accident. Um, mm-hmm. World War Two certainly isn't an accident, but World War One did it just trigger itself. And I, I said this before we were talking earlier with David Harsani. I think the United States, for all these years, we're so used to seeing jungle warfare or desert warfare that now we're actually seeing World War II again in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, and we're, we're seeing destroyed buildings and cities destroyed and bombings, and, and we're not used to seeing yeah. that. And then talk about the, right. scope, the scope of World War II inside a Soviet Union, because I don't think... Mm. So, I mean, I think I can get you on hold. Would you put him on hold, please? Put Professor on hold. Let me do this. Um, this, uh, by the way, I, I mentioned this earlier in the first hour, 
My friends over at Denver Christmas Lights Installers put beautiful Christmas lights display on my house. I've never had it done before. I mentioned that my dad had this, like, seven lights or something over the front door, and he'd plug them and unplug them. They'd stayed up all year. For you got to do this. I mean, I can't wait to pop this on my grandson. Do it at half price. What does half price mean? Well, when you get $2,500 value, stunning Christmas lights for your home for half the price. And it, they're, the way the lights are now, they don't drain on any of your electricity. It just kind of goes easy. Halfprice.com. And enter to win your own Christmas light display at your house. Once again, go to DenverHalfPrice.com and enter to win your very own home light display for the holidays. The winner will be chosen Saturday, November the 19th, right after the gig. Check out their work, DenverChristmasLightsInstallers.com. They came as a team, and they were good. Call them at 303-521-0588. Again, just look at the web and let them come on and do it. And, you know, you can pick all kinds of different things that you want to do. And it's just it's so cool. I can't wait to light it up. A little early now, but 303-521-0588. 303-521-0588, denverhalfprice.com, and win your own Christmas display. Morning, everybody. It's 23 after the hour of 10, 1023. It's a Saturday morning, November the 5th. Windy and milder and 63 will be the high of 35 tonight, 52 Sunday, and go back to work Monday, 60 degrees. Coming back from COVID, coming up, Kenny Dana and Scotty Hastings, and we'll talk about, I wanted to do this last week and caught the COVID um, our haunted house affairs, and they were great. David Smith is with us now. You'll feel relaxed and at ease. Twin Aspen Dental Center, Sedation Dentistry. I have an appointment on the 27th. I had to pull out last week. So whether you need a routine cleaning, a same-day crown, or a one-day dental makeover, Dr. Richters and Dr. Snyder, the, the team, they ease your dental anxiety. I know friends, man, I can't go to the dentist. Yeah, you can. Uh, quality care at Twin Aspen Dental, and you just tell them. Hey, man, I'm snake bit about this. They'll thank you. And they go from there. The most up-to-date technology, less invasive treatments, traditional dental procedures are now aside. Don't let old-school fears keep you from a beautiful smile and a healthy mouth. These are terrific people. They'll be relaxed and comfortable. Um, I, there's a, I always go to the same tech now. We become friends. You need, if you, I needed a deep cleaning. This was a while back. I waited too long. It was stupid. Don't do that. Deep clean is quick and pain-free. It's been a while since you've seen the dentist. Don't wait. First step towards keeping a great smile and getting a better smile, healthy smile. You know, bad teeth can wreck everything. Twin Aspen Dental make your heart go bad. Located on Stroh Road, on Parker Road, and this one Stroh is the, is the front of Lehman Academy. They're easy to find. 303-841-7466. Twin Aspen Dental Center. 303-841-7466. Make an appointment. If you got anxiety about going to the dentist, just tell them. And you know, they'll work with you. TwinAspenDentalCenter.com, 303-841-7466. The one and only Professor David Smith from Baylor University. Uh, this starts appearing a few weeks ago. The, the Nazis were socialist. My only reaction was that the Soviet Union, the national, you know, was the Soviet Socialist Republic, meaning that Stalin was a Republican, if you use the same logic. You know, during the break, I was thinking the one guy that I didn't bring up was Ernst Rome um, and the Rome Purge and the Night of the Long Knives. Talk about Ernst Rome, who he who he was, and then what happened to him. Gosh, Peter, I'm yeah. Ernst Rome is one of those people that have always sort of existed on the periphery of my narrative of the war and the build up to the war. And I 
Yeah, I mean, he was he was an. I can't even remember. I don't even remember if I had to start well, with they, him. Yeah, they caught him. In, they caught him in bed with a guy. I think was when they came when they kicked in the doors. And yeah, he was he was a, a a high figure in the party that that uh, that Hitler thought of as a rival, right? Yeah, and also he was a socialist. Yeah, and he ran and then, he he ran the brown shirts. Okay. The street, yeah. They were they were they, they were the street fighters, and sometimes I think when Antifa fights with other people, it's like watching Berlin again, you know, to fight to, to control the streets. But comes the night of the long yeah. knives, and when they come in the door, he's in bed with a young man. And, and uh, that's it. the the whole The whole philosophy of Hitler's leadership is that there. He can't have any rivals. There can't None. be any other. There can't be any other political parties. Nope. There can't be any other competitors within his own party structure. Huh. So it well, that's why he's a totalitarian. I'm so I'm so drawn to this. I know you are as well too. And I think that I see it repetitive, repetitive, off and on again and again and again. And so now, when we talk, you know there. There was a line that I was when I first started to really seriously read history. That the mm-hmm. United States of America, we this country, we, we beat the Japanese, but the Soviet mm-hmm. Union, the Soviet Union defeated the Nazis. Does that hold up? Yeah, talk about yeah. That. that really does. That that really completely holds up. I mean, in, in when you look at the the when you look at where the German army was. Eighty-five percent of the German army mm-hmm. is fighting in the Soviet Union. Yeah. You know, it's 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 very much the case that the Soviet Union bore the you know, d- despite how horrible it was in France and the overrunning of Belgium and the Netherlands, and and even into North Africa with Rommel, the the bulk of the German army was tied up in the Soviet Union after the summer of forty-one. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not inaccurate to say that yes, the United States beat the Japanese. But it was the Soviet effort that really pushed the Germans over the edge. How, when the first American goes ashore in Normandy, mm-hmm. how far away from Berlin was the Red Army? Oh, I used to know this exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, think, uh, I can tell you that by Christmas '44, when the U.S. Army was stalled with the Battle of mm-hmm. the Bulge. On this side of the Rhine, the Soviet army was only something like fifty miles yeah, from Berlin. That's I right. Think. Yeah. I think it was a hundred and closing in yeah, one hundred fifty miles away or something. And it was the rub for Stalin was why can't you come and when when people do this, Professor Smith is here. When when people bring this horrible system up, and you know the, the the left always calls the Republican Party Nazis, and it comes back and forth. And now the Republican historians are rewriting history to call them socialist. Sure, to be some kind of a rule professor that it, no, nobody's allowed to do this. <laughs> yes, I will fully back that huh. idea. I will fully back that rule, and it's and I see this, and I see it in my students. That I see it in my freshmen. Even they've got these ideas of history that use these historical labels completely erroneously and they come in with all of these in these preconceived notions that have been manipulated on them by people who want to use history not for the sake of history and understanding but for the sake of making a political point and it drives me crazy you and i when i first started seeing editorials that they nazis were socialists i said they're 
Nazi is short, obviously, for National Socialist. But Hitler and his henchmen, according to these editorialists, were all then socialist. And I'm thinking, not one of them, not one of them. Not one of them. It couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, that survived that night, that after they started... You know, they knock the nebel, right? The night and fog, and they yeah, and they they connect with. You would be closer to accurate if you called them Rotarians or Kiwanis yeah. than you would if <laughs> yeah. you called them socialists. And th- that light went on for me. I'm reading, and I said, "Well, they because I'm reading Deutscher and the Union Soviet Socialist Republics." I said, "Well, that means Joe Stalin was a Republican if we're going to apply socialism because it's it's blood and soil." And, right. the, the tw- and that goes all the way back to the German mythology that yes. Bismarck was using. Yes, and you, you see, and you see some and of those, those, those Munich parades where these guys are riding horses in armor with a swastika mm-hmm. on. And they, they invented it. Yeah, and it, it's 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 symbolism to replace thought. You know, it's Ooh. symbolism to Ooh. replace clear thought. Ooh. And it's, I mean, it's hard, and you know this, it's hard for complexities of history to cut through simplistic symbolism. And yeah. boy, it, it, we've got our work cut out for us. Well, I remember Brooks Van Emmeren saying to me, well, if you really want to understand it, go read this book. And I'd always heard about Mein mm-hmm. Kampf. I never read Mein Kampf. And then I sat down and read it. And and it's his book that he's, he did, I think, nine months in prison. And he dictates this book and it becomes the, the, I, ch- I hate somebody's getting mad but it becomes the National Socialist Bible mm-hmm. and he's yeah. telling you he's telling you it's telling his life story but he's giving you this ideology there's nothing in there that says we seize the means of production <laughs> there's none of that no <laughs> there's nothing in it for the workers no. there's nothing egalitarian no. in it whatsoever but he sees okay. the German people from all walks yeah. of life, because um, they, you know, the crops were all there, and the farbins are there, and the bears. Everybody's everybody's doing well. You know, the, the historians that are way better than me, and I'm talking to one of them, but they call it riding the tiger. They were so afraid of the Bolsheviks, they were so afraid of that craziness that mm-hmm. they they hook up. He's an anti he's an anti communist, he's an anti semite, mm-hmm. and they can relate to that, can't they? Yeah, they can, and it's 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 a it's a it's a measure of how much when one ruling group is fearful of change, they can grab onto anybody mm. who who will say that I will stop the change from happening. Yeah. And you know, it, 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 that's a good that's a perfect analogy that you made. And then they yeah. just after 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 what summer of thirty four maybe then they they start just getting rid of their own enemies. Ernst Rome we mm-hmm. talked about. Paul Hindenburg's yeah. dead. Yeah, and the Nazis the, yeah, and and then you you by nineteen thirty five there aren't any socialists, there aren't any communists, there aren't any liberal democrats anywhere no. within within positions of authority anywhere, and a lot of them have been packed off to you know the early concentration camps. Yeah, I, I, I visited Dachau, and it's just it's one of the most chilling things that, and I knew, you know I'd read that sort of not sort of history, I read that history where. The first guys that they grab are newspaper editors and labor labor union leaders, and I'm thinking yeah, that's that, absolutely that, right. That's hardly a socialist move, there, is it? <laughs> hardly, yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'll know this too. You know, it's the same sort of thing happens with 
the person that we both admire so much, George Orwell, mm-hmm. and and the the belief that because he was an anti-Stalinist and because he was an anti-totalitarian, mm-hmm. totalitarian, he was somehow a, a a member of the right or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. And and it just it just yeah. and he he addressed this uh, in an essay that he wrote in '46, you know, and said everything that I have done has has not been, you know, has been against has been against mm-hmm. Stalinism and totalitarianism, mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm I'm a socialist. He said, yeah. but people misread his misread his work. It, this this zero sum game is being played now. If you don't approve of Donald Trump, then obviously you support Joe Biden. No. Mm-hmm. But right, exactly. Yeah, so you have to look at this this um, th- this man in this time, and I'm I'm drawn to it. I, I mean, I, every time there's a new book, I go and get it, and I just can't tell you why. But well, you're right in that these years of the 30s and the 40s were the pivot point of the entire century. Oh yeah, and that if you want to understand the second half of the 20th century, if you want to understand the day, even you have to go back and you have to look at what happened. From you know 1920 to 1950, it's it's mm. it's incredible how much. What's the old curse? May you live in oh. interesting times. <laughs> and they, and you know, and so he launches what, September 1st, 39, and uh-huh. they they want. It's like we're trying to understand Lenin and Lenin and Stalin and Trotsky, particularly Trotsky and and Lenin. The revolution had to be worldwide. It couldn't just be, remember Stalin, you know, communism in one country. Well, mm-hmm. the true believers, I mean, Lenin particularly, but Trotsky certainly, that, you know, history would not end unless the entire world mm-hmm. were, were, were Bolsheviks or, or communists. And Hitler, yeah. I mean, what was, the, what, was the, what was the ultimate plan for Adolf Hitler? What did he ultimately want? Well, there's a fantastic book, and I can't remember if I've talked about this with you or not. There's a really good book uh, called Visions of Victory, yeah. uh, the, the post-war visions of eight World War II leaders. And it was by this wonderful uh, World War II historian named Guter Rothenberg. And basically, every, Hitler gets his own chapter, and the totality of German dominance of really Europe and the Western Hemisphere was incredible. He wanted nothing short of, you know, Germany steering the course for world history from that point forward. Final question. What or who were the Nazis? Well, see, it depends on what year you ask that question. Mm -hmm. For history, the Nazis are the fascist party that Hitler directed and brought upon the world, the Second World War, with all of its attendant disasters and and death. If you ask who were the Nazis in 1921, mm-hmm. uh, you say that they're the, the small German Socialist Workers' Party struggling in the Weimar, the Weimar Republic to make an order that is beneficial for the workers and that is egalitarian from the ground up. So you, for us, for history, for you and me, for today, the Nazis are the fascists and not the socialists. Yeah. And to just look and at it. Really, yeah, you, oh, I, yeah, there's no way around it. I mean, you've yeah. got to know the whole story. Yeah, thank you. And I, like I said, you don't want to do it, but you should. You know, read Mein Kampf. He's telling you, he's not... 
he's not, you know, like Lenin, the state and revolution, the, you know, the famous Lenin book. And, you know, and Lenin's telling you, you know, like you can read Lenin. He's telling you Trotsky. He's telling you Joe Stalin was no gifted writer. But those two other guys, they were telling you Adolf Hitler was telling mm-hmm. you. They were telling you. Yeah. It's, it's it's their books are formulaic. Their yeah, books yeah. are this is what we're going to do to restore yeah. the yeah. greatness. And if you want to understand Karl Marx, read the Manifesto or read Das Kapital. Read it. Yeah, you know? and even read some of his journalism. You know, Karl yeah. Marx was a journalist for the New York Daily Tribune. Oh yeah, sure. And and read some of his newspaper columns, and you'll understand the way in which he saw the world. Yeah, fools. But we need to talk about at some point soon. George Dewey and the Spanish-American War, because my book is coming out after oh, the man. of the year. Done. Um, let me, what do you want to do? Well, we'll, call, we'll call you. I mean, I, I you could come do the show. Absolutely. You could come stay at the house. <laughs> I just, well, yeah, uh, now that you're doing, you know, yeah, let's I'm back Saturdays. up there this yeah. spring, and we'll do Saturday. That'd I promise. Uh, I would. But I've got, I've got Blake's email address, and I can contact you through him, and, and yeah. I'm just so glad you're back. Hey, Professor, thank you so much. Uh, it's a one-of-a-kind and like I said, I've been so driven nuts by these editorials doing this, and uh, these people aren't that. It's like I said, the only thing I came up with, Soviet Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, that makes that, you know, Joe Stalin was a Republican, if you're going to use the name. I Take, love that. I'm going to keep that forever. I love you. Thank you, Professor. Be safe. Love Thank you, you, buddy. All right. Open lines, 303-696-1971. David Ellis, you heard me talk about the valuables of David Ellis Jewelry to get a fortune in cash. Gift-giving is coming Secure an appraisal from David. All the valuables tucked away in your home. It's true. Let me share the other reason to see David, just in case you don't have a Rolex or rare coins or silver sets. All of your meaningful gift-giving occasions and the big ones coming. David David is there. He's my friend. The right item, the right price, special people. It means so much. Antique watches, emerald pennants, gold necklaces, diamond rings. This is a trusted jeweler buying. They want to recondition to take something, reset the diamonds. Gold pennants. The man is there six days a week. David Ellis Jewelers, see for yourself. The black awning on the corner of 3rd and Clayton and Cherry Creek. Explore davidellisjewelries.com or call my friend David at 303-322-8779. Tell him I sent you in. David Ellis, 3rd and Clayton, six days a week in Cherry Creek. We got a line open. It's 1044-16 before the hour Saturday morning. Windy, mild 63 and sunny. Uh, tomorrow, been, excuse me, then cloudy tomorrow, 52, and back on Monday, 60 degrees. A Saturday morning, Kenny Dane and, and Scotty Hastings will talk about our old haunted house shows. Um, I'm getting over COVID. I got nailed after everything. And it, Dr. McAllen, just, she's not only like, this woman's a healer, she's a friend, and it's clear. And the more you know about what's going on, your hormones, optimal levels for vital, ideal health, and helps reduce body fat and all those things. We talk about improved muscle tone, energy levels, and cognitive ability and sexual function. Dr. Watt is now at Cenogenics and remarkable. He's become a friend. But there's nobody like McAllen. And I'll tell you what. I take a detailed look at all your body systems, the health evaluation. Sign up. Talk to Michelle. Michelle will answer the phone. And she has been a home run for me this, this last 10 days. 720-387-3681 is the number for Cenogenics. 720-387-3681. The web is denver.cenogenics.com. And I can't tell you about this woman, how terrific Dr. McAllen is. A supervised plan to help you do it right, stay strong. You get the complimentary food allergy tested. Usually it's 840 bucks, and they'll give it to you. Call Cenogenics today. 
720-387-3681. 710-KN, as I mentioned, coming up, Kenny and Scotty Hastings. And back in the day, we did haunted houses, and I was scheduled to do this show last Saturday. I want the guys on the air because the stories are great. And I thought, we can still do it on a on another Saturday. So um, the doctor, Kenny Danen and Scott Hastings, former NBA great, and, of course, the voice of uh, of so many sports shows and a good friend, they come up on the show. Danny Kaplis, Dan's believed to be the only lawyer in Colorado history to win five straight multi-million dollar jury verdicts and motor vehicle crashes. Kaplis is another one of those guys, like Dr. McCallum. They just sort of come along in your life and you realize that you got a good friend. Danny's partner, Mike Kane, uh, the highly successful firm. Great lineup includes six former deputy DAs who now use their tremendous courtroom experience to help survivors of serious crashes. Danny Campus believes talks cheap, experience counts, results matter. And what he did for my family, as I mentioned, you know, the day would be over, be late at night, and Danny would call. How's everybody doing? That, uh, now, that wasn't just because he and I are friends. That's because he's the attorney that I, that I turn to and say, this guy. Campus's law believes who you hire says a lot about you and everybody involved in the case. It is a question. If you have something that's happened and you want to get an answer, it's that simple. 303-907-5003. It's that simple. 303-907-5003. Danny's last name, of course, is C-A-P-L-I-S, CaplisLaw.com. 303-907-5003. I think we go to Doug. I hope I'm doing this right. Hey, Doug, you're on the radio show. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Hey, First of all, thank you so much for uh, getting back on the air, playing with a little hurt, so to speak. So oh, I, I, appreciate it. I always learn from you. Oh, you're kind. Uh, what I wanted to talk about very briefly, uh, you know, I, I, for years I was confused about how to tell what Vermont, you know, as far as enemies of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And I finally feel like I've distilled it in my own mind so that, the Marxist communists want the state to own and run everything, yes. people, materials, cross but, the board. But eventually, eventually, according to Uncle Carl, the state yes. the state withers away. and In their the, dreams. Well, I understand you're in your dreams, but <laughs> if you want to listen to what Karl Marx says, the state withers away. In other words, there is no need. You create actually a new human being. The human being who's of man. who is guileless. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a, and in some ways, it's a religion. If you think about how religion oh, operates, absolutely. yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. Yes, and the socialists want the state to basically own and control key industries. You know, it's uh, steel, mm-hmm. energy, transportation. Well, what hist- again? What what economists call basic industries: cement, concrete, yes. steel. You're right, and yes. Stalin did that. To, Correct. you know, I mean, they had to get rid of those farmers, and they were the kulaks. But then people like Mussolini came up with what they called the third way mm-hmm. of anti-capitalism, which is fascism, where the state does not own no. the key industries, they control it. But that's called, the easiest way I can explain cap, uh, fascism is it's a corporate state. And yeah. when I hear screaming from Antifa clowns or whoever going, fascist, fascist. I said, you don't know what in the five times you're talking about. But it's like... That's totally correct, too. Yeah, but I've, I've told... Yeah, of course. But I, I think I told you a story. When we embedded... It was Chuck Bonawell and myself. Uh, we, we embedded with the uh, the protesters when uh, the Obama 
when, when, Obama, when Obama got nominated here in Denver. And I swear to you, and it said, um, what was it? Anarchist Collective. And they had like a, they had a tent. I'm not making this up. If you're an anarchist, you can't be in a collective. I mean, Correct. it's like... But they also believe in the perfectibility of man. Well, no, of course they do. But, but, but Marx believed it. Marx believed... Oh, sure. And, yeah. and also, by the way, Adolf Hitler believed it. That, yes. And, and he came probably closer. You know, Mao believed it. Um, but, and, but, and, so and religion believes it. Religion believes through religion you can become a better person. So the, the, the Nazis, of course, were fascists. Mm, careful. A, a race with a racist, anti, mm. anti-Semitic. Well, my, the, the great fascists were Franco's Spain, yes. Mussolini's Italy. And yes. there's, and there's in, in Lebanon today, they call them the Falange. Yes. And the Falange are fascists. But, again, I'm, I read when, I was, when I was really out cold, I read this, the, the Blue Division, which, again, what you don't know. But when Adolf Hitler wants to invade Soviet Union, he wants to show a united front against Bolshevism. And, and I never knew this, and it's really smart. So they recruited this division of SS men in Spain, and they were called the Blues. And, and they were, you know, they were anti-communist. They had fought on the side of Franco. They were devout Catholics. I mean, all the kinds of things that go with it. And they go on Barbarossa. And they're very brave. And even, you know, the, even They're the, motivated. Oh, they, but the staunch SS that sees the Hungarians, Estonians all fold and run from the, the Ivans. The Spaniards stood. Well, because yes. it, but in the Civil War in Spain, I, I, I think if I, I, I'd have been on the other side of that. I mean, if you think it through. And well, I understand. That, I, I don't know because That's I That's a tough one. Yeah, because I just don't like what was done. And, um, you know, Franco... Oh, Fra- yeah, Frank, Frank was a totalitarian. Yeah, Frank, Franco oh. comes across, yeah. And then, and then when that's where Orwell changes his whole life. George Orwell changes his life in the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, he learned... Yeah, he knew who they were. Yeah, the Stalinists. He saw the Stalinists. Yes. And, so, you know, my final point is that um, I think we have... You know, basically fascists in the Democrat Party these days, mm. and to a certain extent the Republicans. I was going to say, I can see them everywhere. I, I agree totally. But these, they, but remember, the you know, this first thing of rounding up and putting in Dachau, they take newspaper editors and labor leaders, way before Jews or gypsies or homosexuals. Or it's, why do they want... That, they, that was, yeah. you know, basically from the Woodrow Wilson playbook. Absolutely. During... During World War One, Woodrow Wilson and it, who segregates Washington D.C. Woodrow yeah. Wilson resegregates it absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I, I love you. You know, you're one of these guys that shows up on a radio show like that. Other guys, like, you're smart, and well, like you, I've read a lot. Well, yeah, I got nothing else to do, and um, I'm there's a there's a there's just so many good books and so many people make you rethink. And if you're not willing to do that, then I, I think you might as well just bag it, pack it up. But when this stuff started a couple of weeks ago, that these Nazis were socialists, I thought, oh, my God. Well, I mean, well again, the people just do not understand the differentiation of the anti-capitalist totalitarian. But Hitler wasn't an anti-capitalist. The, the, the Krupps and the Farbens and all those people did extremely well. They, um, 
but he he believed in private ownership of, of the industries. And sure. That wasn't a problem. No, but and you could that, you could own your own, you could own your, you could own your own home. The state didn't know your house. I mean, it's correct. It's and and, and they, you know, were, they they had no problems with ownership. Like no, the they, and, and, and by the way. You know the the whole gun thing with Hitler too is an interesting one because they gave guns. They gave when the people that really disarmed Germany were the were the Allies. And, and well, I think it actually starts with with the Weimar Republic when they uh, had all the, the German uh, people register their firearms. But then they the came government. back. But they they came back. The Freikorps came back with their rifles and they they kept them and they they had pitched battles with the Spartacists and. I mean, I mean, all this stuff gets convoluted into the mindset of somebody that just spits stuff out and never cracks a book. I love your call, man. You're always welcome. Thanks for doing the show, man. Thank you. Uh, if you're sick and tired of living with constant pain, your knees and your back, joint pain doesn't keep you from doing what you love. It, it, and and it, now it affects your job, it's your relationships, even simple things like getting dressed. It's time to call QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics uses advanced regenerative medicine to restore and repair damaged joint tissue and give you back your life. Hips and shoulders and elbows, they can all be treated with natural biologics from your own body. I I got friends that have been through this. They say, Peter, this is it. Right. Powerful healing agents, highly concentrated. If you're tired of steroid shots that don't work, or if you're trying to avoid surgery, call QC Kinetics and schedule your free consultation. Learn about these exciting new cutting-edge treatments. Pain caused by arthritis or injury. No drugs, no pain meds, no downtime. Natural treatments and get you lasting relief. People there are raving about the results. It's a phone call. If you're hurting for certain, for heaven's sakes, make the call. It's a, it's a gimme call. QC Kinetics, 303-900-8986. 303-900-8986. Nine hundred eighty nine eighty six. Pick up the phone. Go and see them. It's a gimme to see them. Three zero three nine hundred eighty nine eighty six. Don't wait. You know I. It's it this is a great show. I really love doing it. Think about this: when a German fighter pilot, a Luftwaffe pilot, or a bomber was shot down over England and came down in the fields, the British farmers ran out with pitchforks to capture the Luftwaffe pilot. When an American pilot or a British pilot went down in Germany, they came out after him with guns. When the locals came out, the burgomasters and others, when they ran out after those pilots, they came out with guns. When they went down in the fields of Britain, they came out with pitchforks. We come back. Kenny Dana, Scotty Hastings, lots of open lines. It's Saturday morning. Thanks for being here. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.